What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, April 15th, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. I'm Zachary Crockett, and today I've got Julia Jenks with me. Julia is a senior analyst on our trends team, which means she spends a lot of time sifting through the entrepreneurial noise to find opportunities. She's also a resident crypto and blockchain expert. So today she's gonna talk us through two applications of NFTs. Those are non-fungible tokens, one good and one bad. But first, let's do a quick rundown of the news. So if you're out of the loop on this whole Elon Musk Twitter saga, here's a scoop. Back on April 4th, Musk bought a 9.2% stake in the social media company, becoming its largest shareholder. The next day, Twitter announced that Musk would join the board, and then Musk reportedly rejected that offer. Well, yesterday, he offered to buy the entire company and take it private at $54.20 a share. That would value the company at around $43 billion, far more than its current market cap of $34 billion. Musk told Twitter that that's his final offer, and if it's rejected, he may have to reconsider his stake in the company. So a few potential outcomes here. The board could simply accept the offer outright. That's pretty unlikely. Or if it rejects the offer, it could look for what's called a white knight, a safer, larger company like Microsoft or LinkedIn that could swoop in and make a competing offer. We'll stay on top of that and keep you posted. Mortgage rates hit 5% for the first time since 2011. That's up from a low of 2.6% in January of last year. What's that mean for the average buyer? Well, a year ago, the monthly mortgage on the median American home with 20% down was about $1,200. At the current mortgage rates, that bill would be about $1,700 a month. The wait time for a new Lamborghini is now 12 months, up from a pre-pandemic average of six months. The luxury carmaker CEO, Stefan Winkleman, told CNBC that demand has never been higher thanks to markets that were flooded with money over the past two years. Winkleman also added that it's mostly younger buyers leading the charge. He expects 70% of Lamborghini's customers to be under the age of 40 by 2025. And lastly, a crypto investor who bought an NFT of Jack Dorsey's first tweet last year for $2.9 million is in some trouble. He recently listed it at auction for $48 million, but the current high bid is only around $10,000. And that brings us right into our discussion for today. NFTs are kind of a wild west right now. People are making a lot of money buying and selling digital assets. And there's a debate raging over whether most of these are legitimate gold mines or just polished turds. The real answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Some applications of NFTs have real utility, others not so much. So Julia picked out two NFT applications for us today, one she likes and one she doesn't really think is necessary. Real quick thing up top here, though, before we get into this, for anyone who might be new to this whole NFT thing, Julia, would you mind just quickly explaining for us what an NFT is? Hey, Zach. Yeah, sure thing. So very quickly, an NFT or a non-fungible token. Let's first start with this whole non-fungible thing. So if something is non-fungible, it generally means that it is unique and it can't be replaced with something else. So if we have a comparison, for example, with Bitcoin, Bitcoin is fungible. If you and I trade one Bitcoin with each other, we'll have exactly the same thing that we did before. But something like a one-of-a-kind trading card, however, is non-fungible. It's essentially a unique digital identifier that cannot be copied, substituted, or subdivided, but it can be transferred or traded. 
So let's start here with the application that you like, NFT rental platforms. What's the deal here? Okay, so if we think about NFTs at the moment, there's currently no way for the majority of NFT holders to monetize their new asset. At the moment, their best bet is to first hold and wait for speculative price increases over time, then sell their NFT for a higher price than they paid for it, hopefully, mm -hmm. and finally, they'll see a positive return on their investment. So kind of like that, that guy who bought the Dorsey tweet. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's where the hopefully comes in. Mm -hmm. But there's this new project, it's called, I think it's RE-NFT or R-E-NFT, mm -hmm. and it wants to make it possible for investors to generate income by renting out their NFTs, the large majority of which are currently sitting mm. unused in wallets. So in practice, how would this work? Okay, so there's two sides to this, of course, the lenders and the borrowers. And in the middle of that is this RE-NFT platform, which is essentially an escrow. So in order for a lender to list their NFT on the platform, they first specify the daily rental price, the maximum rental period, and the NFT price. This will be the collateral that a borrower must put up in order to rent the NFT. Mm. Then on the other side, there's the borrower who pays the full rental price and the collateral that I just mentioned, which is then stored in the escrow and returned to the borrower when they return the NFT to the owner. And if the NFT is not returned on time, that collateral that we spoke about can be claimed by the lender from the escrow. So you mentioned you're a little more bullish on this than some other NFT applications. Where do you see the value in something like this? Firstly, I guess to mention that this itself is not an NFT application so much as a platform that's built around NFTs. Hmm. And I can see some genuine use cases here. So if we say that the world of NFTs and digital assets is here to stay, which I think it is... It makes sense that owners should be able to earn a yield on their investment before they resell it. So that's on the one side. And on the other side, at the same time, I can also see why people might want to use an NFT for a short period of time without having to purchase it outright. Mm. My favorite use case or a clear use case is in the world of digital art, which is where we see most of the excitement or hype around NFTs at the moment. So there are a number of companies, for example, one that I know of is based in Belgium and it's called Wonder. And what they do is they make it possible for digital art owners to rent out their NFTs, for example, to virtual art exhibitions or mm. anyone else who might want to display a digital work for a limited period of time, for example, in a hotel lobby. What's nice about this platform as well is that it allows artists to also earn kind of rental income on their own pieces of work. I think there are a few other potential use cases, not just in digital art, but where you can see where people might want to use an NFT for a short period. One is gaming, for example. So you could rent out rare in-game items that boost character power in order to help you advance to another level. That's something you might want to rent out just for a period of time. In the metaverse, again, if this is here to stay, there's a lot of real estate like land or even billboards in the sandbox or Decentraland that could be rented out. Mm. In terms of NFT marketplaces, that's another one. So, for example, um, OpenSea is one of the more popular, well-known ones. You could integrate directly with marketplaces such as OpenSea so that you could allow someone, a potential buyer, to kind of try before they buy an NFT. And finally, one where I do see some use cases is kind of social access and events. Hmm. By renting out your social access NFTs, you could temporarily give someone access to exclusive communities or fan clubs or events. I literally had no idea what this was before, but now you're selling me on it. I feel like there are a lot of useful applications here. 
But let's move on to the second one here. There's another use case that maybe you don't have as much faith in or you don't think is as necessary, and that is NFT-powered subscription services. And just to clarify here, it's not that you think this idea is shady or bad or anything. You just don't think it necessarily requires NFTs. So first off, you want to briefly tell us what an NFT subscription service is and kind of the purpose that it serves? Yeah, sure. And again, just to reiterate what you just said, which is I'm not trying to pick on this project in particular. This project is leveraging NFTs for kind of social access. Mm-hmm. That's actually the use case of most NFTs at the moment. And it's the way that many brands are using NFTs currently. So again, not to pick on this one, but just to <laughs> use it as an example. So sure. most people have heard about the Bored Ape Yacht Club. It's one of the most popular sure. digital art collections in the world. And uh, Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT owners have exclusive licensing and commercial rights to their digital apes, which many token holders are leveraging to build their own startups. One such startup is called the Bored Breakfast Club. And what this is, this is where the subscription service comes in, is that it's a coffee subscription service and NFT collection that wants to use NFTs to establish an exclusive online community of coffee enthusiasts. So in their subscription model, anyone who owns one of the 5,000 unique NFTs that's unique to the Board Breakfast Club is entitled to receive free shipments of coffee whenever a new exclusive blend is released. Hmm. The NFTs also unlock membership to an online community, live events, content, and discounts on additional bags of coffee. I'm sure the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation is thrilled about the uh, BBC acronym on that one. Uh, So why aren't you as into this one, Julia? So again, this is generally more a comment on NFTs for access. So what does that mean? Basically, what they're trying to do is create access to an exclusive community, right? And again, I think that the idea is pretty cool and the branding and the storytelling is on point. I really like it. But when I ask myself, does this concept, which is essentially a closed community, need an NFT in order to function? Mm -hmm. The answer that I come up with is not really. It's cool, but it's not really required. This is, in my opinion, not really solving a problem that existed before. So Mm. it's essentially, it's cool to own a piece of quirky digital art, but in my mind, the NFT ends up being kind of a really expensive membership Mm -hmm. card. Let's say you're a holder of one of these Board Breakfast Club NFTs. Mm -hmm. In a world where that asset that you own, let's say it appreciates in value. There you've created a really cool new asset for anyone who likes your product. Now they own, they've kind of bought into the community and they may even be able to profit. Mm. But for most brands, let's say, who want to release an NFT to enable access to their community, it's unlikely that once the hype around digital art and apes dies down, in my mind, it's unlikely that all of these NFTs are just going to appreciate in value. Mm. And what you've got is kind of, as I say, an expensive membership card. Just to illustrate this specifically in the case of the Board Breakfast Club, if you go onto OpenSea at the moment, which is where these NFTs are trading, you can mm-hmm. see that some sellers on OpenSea are listing their NFTs for between 10 and 15 ETH each. So that's between 30 and $45,000. Wow, okay. But if you look at what they've actually fetched, the highest is about two ETH. So that's about $6,000. Mm. So already you could make the case that people think that they're NFT is perhaps more valuable than it is. And again, like this is coming from my perspective as someone, uh, Trends, which is our kind of closed exclusive community of entrepreneurs. 
we were able to create this kind of exclusivity content member only perks through a traditional membership, you know, using your email address. This is not necessarily, in my mind, the access piece, something that is new or novel or a problem that needed solving. The only cool thing that I really see about this is, again, to take this back to the NFT rental platforms. So, for example, I might be a trans member and you might not be. I could rent out my membership to you for a short period of time for you to attend an event, for example. But for me, again, I don't necessarily think that this needs kind of a digital artwork in order to work. Right. That makes sense to me. I mean, I don't know if I would spend, you know, $6,000 to get access to a coffee subscription service or something. Exactly. The actual benefits that I would have to get from that subscription would have to be much greater for me to see that kind of utility and value in the actual NFT that underlies it. Okay, so before we sign off here, one more thing I wanted to touch on. You put together a list of a few other NFT use cases you've looked into, and I'm curious to just go through these one by one. One is NFT insurance. Yeah, so this one kind of makes sense when you think about the fact that this new world of assets that happen to be digital has been created what seems like almost overnight. And of course, this is an environment that's fraught with kind of scams and thefts. So it makes sense that, of course, there's kind of insurance that is emerging for this space. The only one that I know of at the moment is called CoinCover. It's in the UK and it's one of the first and only official providers of NFT insurance to hit the market. So I think that there will be a lot of opportunity for new insurance products to emerge in the space. And I think that's something we'll definitely see in the future and different models. We might see some peer-to-peer insurance for the NFT space. Hmm. The blockchain space is very much pro-peer-to-peer as we know. So I think Mm -hmm. that's something that we might see emerge in the future. And second one here, NFT vending machines. Yes. So this is something that People may have already seen, it did kind of hit the mainstream news that there was an NFT platform called Neon that launched the world's first NFT vending machine back in February. The machine accepts fiat currency, which makes it possible for people to invest in NFTs using their credit card. So without needing to convert to crypto first, which is, of course, a big barrier to entry. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how many of these applications we'll see in the future where you can just use your credit card. And especially in a kind of gamified way, maybe we'll see like arcade machines. NFTs are already big in the gaming world, Um, big brands like Louis Vuitton have ventured into the space, for Mm -hmm. example, with their Louis the Game, which is a mobile app, which includes 30 embedded NFTs that can only be collected by playing the game. So I think Mm. we'll see a lot more of these kind of gamified NFT where you can just plug in your credit card. Sure. And last one here, this one's interesting, NFTs for student athletes. How would this work? Yes. So... As you'll probably know, last year, the decision was made to allow college athletes to monetize their fame, which previously they weren't able to do. And this has presented new opportunities for athletes and entrepreneurs. So Mm -hmm. perhaps unsurprisingly, there's NFTs emerging as a popular way for student athletes to reach specifically their Gen Z fan base. Hmm. So I think it was last month or maybe in February, but the University of Oregon launched an NFT marketplace. So again, interesting that it's a university. They launched a marketplace called Ducks of a Feather. And the idea is to help the school's footballers build their brands. Each NFT comes with a physical pair of Nike Air Max Ones that's signed by Tinker Hatfield. So again, this is very interesting. And I think there's an opportunity 
And what we'll see in the future is NFT marketplaces that are targeted at student athletes wanting to create their own NFT campaigns. And I think football is just one sport that we'll see this emerge. I think that there'll be others, particularly in sports that are popular with Gen Z, more so than other generations. So, for example, esports, basketball, mm-hmm. and things like MMA and UFC. I think we'll see interesting NFT marketplaces emerging, particularly in those sports. Thanks for taking us through that, Julia. Appreciate it. No worries. And for anyone interested in following this more closely, be sure to check out Julia's work on our trends team. She's always writing interesting, intuitive stuff about the crypto and NFT sectors. Go check it out. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at thehustle.co. We'll catch you all next week.